0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of learning. I'm Ryan Radzeski, here with Greg Baer. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that
1: ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change.
0: On today's episode, we're talking with Patty Miller, the CEO of Too Small to Fail, the early childhood initiative of the Clinton Foundation. Too Small to Fail is a leading public awareness and action campaign to promote the importance of early brain and language development, and to support parents with tools to talk, read, and sing with their young children, starting at birth. Patty, we are so glad you're here. Welcome.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Ryan and Greg. It's really great to be here today.
1: One of Too Small to Fail's most urgent priorities is supporting the language-rich parenting of young children. It's something that I know personally with my two daughters in my household. So, Patty, can you tell us a bit about what language-rich parenting is and what does it look like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, at Too Small to Fail, we believe that the most important thing parents can do is to talk, read, and sing with their young children from the moment that they're born. Because ideally, what we want parents to do is to surround their children with language. So language-rich parenting is a few things. First, it's frequency of words. We want children to participate in regular routine opportunities so that they are hearing and learning words every day. So this means for a parent incorporating talking and singing into everyday moments and routines. So for example, a parent is talking with their child while on a bus ride, asking them, what do you see out the window? Or they're engaging with their child while they're cooking dinner explaining the ingredients that they're using to make a meal or putting out fruits and vegetables and naming them in the grocery store. It's a parent, you know, singing to their baby during diaper time and counting his fingers and toes. It's reading that nightly bedtime story. So it's the frequency of these moments that is a key component of language rich parenting, but it's also that quality of that parent child engagement. So much I think of promoting a language rich environment is this nurturing back and forth conversation that happens between parent and caregiver and, and their child. It might be a parent providing a question and, and waiting for an engagement that prompts an interaction with their child you know giving their child the opportunity to respond back. And even if the child's a baby, just that waiting for that opportunity for the baby to coo and responding to those coos that serve in return between parent and child is critical for language-rich parenting. And then finally, it's backing all of that up with high-quality early learning tools that can help support parents in engaging with their children throughout the course of their day.
0: Patty, can you tell us a little bit more about what some of those tools might look like? We know books sound like an obvious start, but also for millions of families, probably not a given. Where else can parents seek out those extra tools and those extra ideas?
2: yeah well we know books are critical and, and i'll be honest one of the things that struck me the most when i started at too small to fail was to learn about how many families didn't have access to age appropriate books in the united states there was actually one study that found in low-income communities there's an average of one book for every 300 children wow compared to middle-income communities where there's about 13 books in an individual home so over the course of too small to Fails, Life, which is about seven years now, we've distributed about 1.2 million children's books through the support of some really wonderful publishing partners. And we've done this through diaper banks and food distribution centers, laundromats and playgrounds and more. So books are so critical for families to be able to support this language-rich parenting. But there are a lot of other tools that can help as well. At Too Small to Fail, we do a bunch of different things. We have tote bags that we're distributing throughout communities in the United States. And these tote bags have not only books, but parent toolkits and baby clothes that actually have prompts for parents on them to promote talking. We used to put CDs in them. Now, actually, we put in a postcard that promotes our playlists with Spotify, which I can talk more about. But interestingly, though, we did an evaluation in San Francisco and asked parents of all the things in the tote bag, what was the most valuable? And hands down, it still was the children's book. And parents reported using it well after initially receiving it. Texting is one that we focus on. There's a lot of research that points to how effective parent texts can be in really helping to support young children's early development. And there's a lot of great text message programs out there, like Parents Together and Write By Text. At Too Small, we have a text message program with Univision actually for Hispanic and Spanish-speaking parents. And parents receive about three texts a week from us with tips and tools and activity ideas that parents can use to engage with their kids. And we did a study of this as well and found that Hispanic parents of young children who use this service are twice as likely to talk, read, and sing daily compared to the national average for Hispanic parents who are not using the program. We also think a lot about videos. And I think what's important about video is so that we can model the kind of behaviors we want to see, the talk, read, sing behaviors we're trying to promote. We've had parents say to us, okay, you tell us that we should sing during diaper time, but..." What should I sing? What do I do? How? Do, what does that look like? And so we actually also try and create videos for parents that model some of these behaviors and then promote those through social media platforms. Tip sheets, I think, are also great. We have a range of them on social-emotional development, early math, developmental milestones, and early literacy, and those are all available for free on TalkingIsTeaching.org. And then finally, I wanted to touch a little bit on this idea of environmental prompts. I think we are not creating environments that support parents being able to actively engage with their kids. And that's what we want to do. And so at Too Small to Fail, we think a lot about the environment parents find themselves in and how do we create environments to prompt parents to engage with their kids. So we actually developed these creative materials these advertising materials and they all have different themes like maybe it's the sky or feelings or books or healthy foods and they're all framed with let's talk about and then whatever that theme happens to be so let's talk about laundry and then the prompts are you know what color are the shirts or how many socks can you find and then we take these creatives and we put them on posters and laundromats and posters in hospital waiting rooms and they're on billboards or bus ads and bus shelters. Really trying to think about where we can actually have even just posters or little prompts for parents that can help support them when they're out and about carrying on, you know, with their daily routines.
0: Can you also talk about the role of educators and child care workers? So much of what you're talking about is just deeply personal work among families, this language-rich parenting. So how can educators and other folks who are interacting with young children support that work among kids and their parents?
2: Yeah, that's such a great question. Educators are critical to this. And of course, Before the pandemic, young children were spending so much time, whether it's at Head Start or Family Friend and Neighbor Care or in child care centers, and I think it's really essential for early educators to support that homeschool connection. And I think what we want to try and do is promote this idea that learning happens everywhere, not just in the classroom or in the child care center. So for an educator talking with a parent about what they did that day in the classroom and how a parent might be able to reinforce that learning at home. I think this homeschool connection is critical and really just in terms of thinking about a culture of literacy and this idea, again, that learning is 24-7, you know, not just during the day. So, I think educators can talk with parents and support the powerful role that parents play at home, but even give them some of these resources to help them kind of extend what a child might have learned that day.
1: Patty, I wanna return to this idea of meeting parents where they are. And before we do so, I can't help but draw upon my own experience. And I know there's a danger in doing that. I'm curious, you talk to so many parents as you build out these materials, these ads, these videos, the texts, things that I benefited from. And one of the things that for me and my wife, it really was about practicing this, right? Because in some ways this wasn't entirely normal and trying to make it normal so that it wasn't forced. Is that something you hear from parents as you think about the ways that others can support parents in developing these literacy and learning rich environments?
2: Yeah, I think that's right because it can feel really odd at first, right? Like we hear from parents too, where we say, just narrate your day to your baby. And they're like, okay, This feels really strange. And in some ways, actually, that's why we went to Hollywood. The producers of Jane the Virgin, the TV show, did an episode about this where the main character is narrating her day and she actually says out loud to her baby and in this empty room, well, this feels really weird, right? So I think the more we can show parents, others doing it, it feels a little bit more normal. But yes, we are from parents all the time like this is this seems really strange. And I i am running out of things to talk about. But, you know, when dad was like, OK, I'm sitting here like reading the sports page <laughs> out loud. And this feels very strange. Right. And trying to engage with my child around it. So, you now, what we're trying to do is shift cultural norms and cultural norm shifting around this is hard. You know, when we started Too Small to Fail, you know, again, this was seven years ago, we had some parents in our focus groups say that they really did think that you should start talking with a child once the child was old enough to talk back. And so this idea of, no, this actually should start at the moment a child is born, for many parents can feel like a very foreign concept. You have to go around the track a lot of times before it starts to feel normal.
1: This is Remaking Tomorrow. I'm Greg Bear along with Ryan Rodzeski. We're talking with Patty Miller, the CEO of Too Small to Fail. Patty, you've talked about reaching parents in some unexpected ways. You mentioned Hollywood, you've also mentioned laundromats. So can you talk a little bit about the ways in which Too Small to Fail is reaching into some unexpected places to support parents and develop the mindset that you're trying to build all across this country?
2: One of the things we try and do with the Clinton Foundation across all of our initiatives is think about creative and really unlikely partnerships. This can be between the public and private sectors, between industry and philanthropy, and this idea of innovative partnerships is really a guiding principle at Too Small to Fail, and we just think about where parents are and what can we do to meet them there? So it's really thinking about the 24-7 of a parent's day and where they go and then where they might have a little time. You know, on the laundromat front, this started because a colleague of mine saw these YouTube videos of kids in a laundromat just really bored. And what we learned was that family spent two and a half hours at the laundromat doing their laundry. And those were not environments that can be really engaging for young children. So we started thinking about what we could do in the laundromat and it started as posters and tip sheets throughout the laundromat that went out to 5,000 laundromats because of this wonderful partnership with the Coin Laundry Association and the Laundry Cares Foundation. And the Laundry Cares Foundation was also doing these free laundry days where families in low-income communities could come in and do their laundry for free. So then the idea was, well, what if we created early literacy activities when families come in for free laundry days. So, you know, started read alouds and distributing our toolkits all at the laundromat. And then the conversation became about, well, what if we actually transformed the space in the laundromat? And so we did a pilot in New York City where we transformed laundromats in the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Queens, literally putting in a comfy couch where parents and kids could sit together and read a book and bookcases filled with books and a colorful rug and blocks and other fun manipulatives and transform these spaces. And then NYU did a study and actually found that kids engaged in 30 times more literacy related activities in these spaces. And we also heard from parents that they were starting to come to those laundromats as opposed to ones that might be a little bit closer to their house because their kid was so engaged. And then even laundromat owners saying like, wow, we feel like this is having a really positive anecdotal return on investment. Now we have more than 100 laundromats that have these spaces and the Coin Laundry Association has plans to build this and scale this throughout laundromats across the country. You know, once we did that, then we took the model and said, okay, what about family courts? And we transformed a family court waiting room in Milwaukee. And are building a partnership with family courts across the country. We're now actually doing some pilot testing in WIC clinics and social service agency waiting rooms to see what happens if you transform these waiting rooms. You know, and beyond waiting rooms, we think about parents' living rooms, right? Like we all know how much we have our favorite shows that we like to watch, and so we thought this is another opportunity to engage families when they're watching their favorite television shows. So at the beginning of Too Small to Fail, we went to Hollywood and we had a conference for television executives, writers, and producers. And we talked to them about what we knew about the research, that almost 60% of kids were showing up to kindergarten without the literacy skills that they needed. And that we knew the most important thing a parent could do was to talk, read, and sing. And we asked these writers and producers, can you talk about early brain development in the actual script of your television show? And it was a two-part ask it's like one can you talk about the issue and how important it is for parents to talk read and sing with their kids and or can you at the very least model the kind of behaviors we want to see you know so jane from jane the virgin narrating her day to her baby as she walks around the house and we had 15 television shows that stepped up to do it which was really great and it ran the gamut from law and order svu to Orange is the New Black to you know Doc McStuffins. And then we also have a longstanding campaign with Univision, the leading media company for Hispanic America. And this has been a multimedia campaign we've done with them now for six years. And it started as more of your traditional public affairs campaign, news content, public affairs, public service announcements. And over the last couple of years, we started thinking about their entertainment content. So we've actually partnered with them on a telenovela, which actually the first one took place in a pediatric clinic. Season two took place in a community childcare center. And so imagine a telenovela and it has all of the elements of a dramatic storyline with just great messages about early brain development embedded throughout it. And the main character, the pediatrician, talks to families when they come into her clinic about early brain development actually on the show. And what I've been, I guess, most thrilled about has just been the willingness of our partners to step up, whether it's laundromat owners or Hollywood writers or a telenovela producer or family court judges to recognize we all have a role to play to make sure our kids are getting what they need for success in school and in life.
0: We wanna switch gears a little bit and ask you about the pandemic. As you know, more young children, more parents, more families than ever are staying home right now. And that seems like it could be a big opportunity to advance the sort of language-rich parenting you're talking about. But it's also clear from talking to you that that opportunity isn't given. So I'm wondering, what are you learning about your own work during the pandemic and how do you see it changing moving forward?
2: The pandemic has changed our work a lot. And last March, when all of this started, we naively thought, okay, well, we'll just pause our work for a month or two. And then when everything goes back to normal, we're gonna continue transforming spaces across the country. And then after about a month or so, we realized that we had to pivot and we had to reimagine the work and think about it in new ways. So our motto of meeting parents where they are still holds true, but we realized we had to figure out where parents were going now in the time of COVID-19. And so we actually started meeting parents still at the laundromat because laundromats remained open, but in a different way at the laundromat. So actually created some decals that have math patterns on them, a, a partnership with sidewalk maths. When families would go outside and wait for their clothes to dry, we could put decals on the sidewalk outside so kids could engage. With early map through these hopscotch like patterns on the sidewalk outside so still laundromats but in a different way but also thinking about these new spaces parents were at more so during the pandemic so we started distributing children's books and a new tool we developed an indoor activity toolkit for parents like how do you engage your kids when you're at home and when we created this indoor activities toolkit we first Send it electronically to all of our national and community partners. WIC had started and others, and then we realized it really was about printing it and getting tangible copies to families when they were in food distribution lines and when they were going to their local diaper bank. And what we're learning now is that families are doing virtual appointments, and we've been doing some kind of background research, talking to County social service agency offices and talking to WIC directors and they are really encouraging us to think about transforming virtual waiting rooms, you know, waiting for a Zoom call to start with a practitioner and what can we do to make those opportunities where families are waiting, where parents are waiting for those appointments in a very different way than we envisioned a year ago. But what's been really inspiring is just to see how our partners have really just been so dedicated and committed to thinking about where families are and what they need and pivoting to meet them there. Patty,
0: how can parents and educators learn more about the work you're doing?
2: We have all sorts of resources for parents that are available for free, all of our Tip sheets, parent resources, creative materials, research, everything is all available for free at TalkingIsTeaching.org. And we encourage parents to go there and explore the site and take advantage of whatever resources we have that will help them engage in language-rich parenting with their children.
1: That's TalkingIsTeaching.org. Thanks again to Patty Miller of Too Small to Fail, the early childhood initiative of the Clinton Foundation. Patty, before we say goodbye to you, one last question, please. What's one thing parents and educators can do to make tomorrow a more promising place for our young
2: learners? One thing that parents can do is to not only think about the powerful role that they play in their own children's lives, but how they can be supportive of other parents. This pandemic has been really hard on families and a lot of times all of us think we're alone going through something and what i've heard from parents is when they talk with other parents and share what they're going through and can hear from other parents what they're going through that support has been instrumental so i encourage parents not only to recognize the power you have to really help your own child get a strong start in life but to reach out to other parents and support them through this time because i think parents are juggling so much and getting support from their peers, I think, is really critical. Thank you, Patty. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning, a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org tomorrow.